You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund. It is here. It is game time. 12.30 kickoff on ABC on the shores of Lake Washington. Temperatures expected to be in the low 80s. And I don't know if you guys have ever sat up really high in Husky Stadium, but I remember back in the day being out there. And one of the things that was really cool, there was a uh, football game going on down in the field and out in the little bay out there. People would be water skiing, which I always thought was really cool, but uh, expected to be a really, really Really nice day today out at Husky Stadium. And Scott, what what's the one thing you're most looking forward to today? Uh, just seeing the, the team. You know, I mean, I, I go back to what Chuck Morrell said is when people were asking about what it was going to be like for him and and what he was looking forward to. He said just all this hard work that these guys have put in over the last nine months to to you know eight months to just see it all come to fruition and what they've got and. And uh, I'm I'm really anxious to see what the team looks like. Is it going to be, is the defense going to be better? Is the offense going to be as good, if not better, with three new starters along the offensive line? So a lot of, a lot of little stuff that I'm looking at, but it all is the big picture of the season is starting and uh, football's here. Hey, Scott, one of the wild things I talked to one of the coaches about, I said, how much preparation do you get? for an hour of game time and it's like a hundred hours of preparation for an hour of game time stuff we haven't had a game what in nine months yep and there is no off season for these guys anymore no there isn't and you know it's funny because you, you look at you watch some of those old time nfl and college things where guys were out of shape and they they used fall camp to get into shape and that's why they ran two days and three days sometimes and we're running gassers and doing all those different things well these guys are in shape year-round they're doing uh, you know they've got off-season conditioning in the winter they've got uh, fall or spring ball then they've got summer conditioning and then they get a week off right before fall camp starts and then they're right into fall camp in the season so um, these guys are are in peak physical condition you know, for pretty much the entire year. And, uh, yeah. And, and Chris, for, um, you know, like 45 minute podcast, how much, how much prep do you put into that? Do you put like a hundred hours for every hour of game time at Dogman? I think it's the inverse. <laughs> I, I think, think we so. put an hour of work into for every hundred hours of podcasting we do. There we go. <laughs> You're probably not far off, but you know, just, Getting to Husky Stadium today, what's the one thing that you just kind of jumps out that uh, you kind of you go, okay, yeah, this is what I why I do this. Well, yeah, I mean, it, just thinking of the numbers, I mean, it's been ten years since Husky Stadium was renovated, and the first game back in 2013 from the renovation was Boise State, and I will always remember, you know, because we were there covering the game, so we didn't get a chance. I mean, they do have the TVs going on in the press box. So you kind of see it on a little bit of a delay, but just to see the opening montage that that was on, I think it was on Fox, if I remember right. And just to see that shot coming down from the West across Husky Stadium, Lake Washington with the sail gators and everything else and that and just first game back everything. And it was Boise State, Chris Peterson's 
last year at Boise State. Just all the stuff that came together for that, and I'm kind of I kind of have that image in my mind as we're getting together for this thing today. That's going to happen because it just again ten years later, so much has changed with both programs. And so it's going to be really, really interesting to see if both teams can kind of rise to the level of expectations that are set for both of them. Yeah, and the thing I'm kind of looking forward to is uh, pregame sidelines and postgame. Pregame sidelines, it'll be weird not to see Jen Cohen there. And she's got a guy who kind of stands off to the side, kind of a bodyguard, big dude, that takes uh, kind of takes care of Jen down on the sidelines. So it'll be weird not to see athletic director Jen Cohen. Always look forward to seeing Courtney Morgan, you know, and the way he, and as well as Justin Glenn, the way they're dealing with recruits on the sidelines. And then Jamarcus Shepard and uh, uh, Coach Inge going at it, just going at it, getting guys fired up in pregame warmups. And then, you know, during postgame, it's always cool to talk to the players, especially after a win. Um, I enjoy talking to Michael Penix after a win and ask him if there was a play that really stood out to him that really worked as it was drawn up or if there was anything memorable. So those are always some of the things that really stand out to me. But, you know, Scott, just Boise State opening game. You think they could have flipped and flopped those a little bit and made Tulsa the opening game and a little bit softer landing? Well, I, I mean, I guess, but, you know, it's not like Tulsa's a horrible team, or at least that I've seen. You know, I haven't seen enough about they've already, them. To... They've already played a game, guys, by the way. Yeah, yeah. They played Thursday night, and they beat Arkansas Pine Bluff 42-7. to Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I look at Boise State, and it's a nice little challenge for Washington out, out of the gate, but Washington's talent level is, is much higher than Boise State's. They've got better talent. They've got, um, you know, they, they've got a superstar in the making and, and uh, Michael Penix. I don't even think it's in the making. I think he is that guy. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of like not having a, 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 you know, FCS team on the schedule. This is the first time in, gosh, what, probably a decade that they haven't had an FCS team on their schedule. And so I think it's kind of nice to get started. And granted, last year they started off with Kent State and, uh, you know, everything like that. But. You know, I, I I think Boise State's a nice little way to start kick things off. And Chris, it's kind of funny with how many connections there are with not only, you know, the university, but the coaching staff. I think, did Scott Huff say he was roommates with Andy Avalos or played with Andy Avalos? At, played, uh, played, with him. played with played him. Played with him. And Trent Marks yeah. played there. And, um, you know, Coach DeBoer said, you know, he's got some really good connections there, too. But uh, I don't know if knowing your f- opponent is an advantage or a disadvantage. I, I think a lot of that stuff, honestly, is overplayed. And especially when... You know, first of all, they're they're they haven't coached together in a long, long time. So they're coaching different schemes, they're coaching different teams. They're just everything is so different from year to year, anyways. Um, I thought it was interesting because a lot of people, I think, in Boise State, think that Washington might be looking past Boise State just because no. they're ranked top ten in the country. This, that, and the other thing. But I think we all came down to earth pretty quickly on Monday when Ryan Grubb was asked about it. And he's like, what are you talking about? I coached at Fresno State. I hate those guys. I got (laughs) no love for Boise State whatsoever. We're going to try to do what we would try to do for them if we were still at Fresno State or if we were somewhere else. Because, yeah, I mean, there might be some guys with some Boise State ties here. 
but let's make no mistake. We coach for the Washington Huskies. We don't, this is, this is about us. It's us versus us thing. It's not about them. Oh no. I, I don't, I don't expect a letdown at all. You know, we've been out of practice, Chris, and we've seen these guys. They want to hit somebody. Yeah, no, for sure they do. And that's, you know, it's hard. It's, it's really hard to get a great gauge. And again, I always think about the idea that Chris Peterson brought up and it's, it's common sense, but you really have to go back to it when you're the head coach and you're looking at how things are going. And if one side of the ball is playing better than the other, are you happy or are you sad? Are you mad? Because you're kind of always having to straddle that middle line. And it's like, so if Washington's offense is as good as they were last year, does that mean that the defense is going to be as bad? Are they, or, or is it, is it this iron sharpens iron thing? This is, so this is where I'm kind of stuck. And until we literally see them go up against someone else, you just don't know. Right. And Scott, the thing that's kind of um, different for me is when you take a look at Boise state over the years, they've been known um, as an offensive team, Andy Avalos, the head coach, is a defensive coach, but the offensive coordinator is former offensive coordinator at Washington in Bush Hamden. Yeah, you know, and and if you remember Hamden, you know, his uh, Washington was really his first offensive. I, I mean, I guess he had he had been an offensive coordinator at a lower level school, but Washington was his first D one offensive coordinator spot that he I was remember. a rising star. He was a rising yeah, star, yeah, but. You know, I, I just thought his offense was a little hit and miss. I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think it was great, you know, and that was an offense that was, uh, you know, quarterbacked by Jake Browning for his senior season and uh, and Jacob Eason for the one season he was at the University of Washington. So, you know, it was really I, I expected more, I think. And so I'm I'm wondering what his offense looks like now that he's got some experience as a as a you know as as an offensive coordinator as a quarterbacks coach and and what he ends up doing um I don't think he's a bad offensive mind I think he's got and I think the thing is you know with Taylor Green Taylor Green's going to cover up a lot of mistakes that happen in that offense because it's 6'6 220 pounds and you can go out and run like Taylor Green does that that's going to make up for a lot of of inefficiencies and inadequacies in that offense Hey Chris it's uh, I mentioned earlier where with Boise state, we're used to seeing offensive minds as the head coach there. You've had a lot of interaction with Boise state over the years with Andy Avalos being an alum, Bush Hamden being an alum. Do you think the natural progression is Andy Avalos takes a bigger job at some point and Bush Hamden rolls right in there? Well, certainly I wouldn't be the person to answer that one because that that would be something for the Boise state fans to, to think about. I mean, does Bush have those kind of head coaching aspirations? I, I guess I would assume so based on what we know about him during his time at Washington. Um, but it's, but it's been a struggle for him ever since he left Washington. And it's not like he left Washington on fantastic terms either. It's not like he got fired or all that stuff. I mean, there was a coaching changeover and it's just kind of the way things worked out. And, you know, it's just coaching in general. Once you're in the spin cycle, right. You just kind of end up at places and it's a lot of it's out of your control. Um, but it sure sounds like the Boise state fans are all in on Avalos right now. And and they're very optimistic, but you know, again, they're also wary because they know what could happen when it, when they have a really good head coach, like a Chris Peterson or like Dirk Cutter, if you go back further or a Dan Hawkins, you know, they understand that there's a kind of a stepping stone type of thing with Boise state and with 
almost any Mountain West program that you want to talk about, for instance, any group of five program that's looking to move up. So, yeah, I can see it's it's definitely possible, but yeah. I wouldn't think that he would necessarily be the only name that you're looking at, um, you know, when it comes to someone that, that might take over Boise State from them. Because as you said, there's a lot of connections out there. There's a lot of guys that are coaching at Washington right now that have Boise State ties that played at Boise State yeah. um, that might want to take a look at that job, too. Hey, Scott, when you look at t- the quarterback at uh, Boise State and Taylor Green, do you think of Austin Mack, the qu- freshman quarterback at Washington? How similar are they? Uh, well, they're similar, similar in size. I don't think anything else really, you know, Austin Mack's more of a pass first guy, whereas uh, Taylor Green has that dynamic athleticism. I mean, Austin Mack isn't a bad athlete, but I think he's a really good athlete. Yeah, but he's not even in the same realm as Taylor Green, in my opinion. I mean, Taylor Green, I've watched that guy. I I went back and watched some of the Boise State games this summer, and I was like, wow, that guy is explosive. For a guy who's 6'6", 220 pounds, he is so explosive. It is unbelievable. So, but his passing, you know, he's... He's not the most on-target guy in the world. You know, last season, uh, I mean, he completed 61.3% of his passes, but some of those were just short short passes. When he has to throw those medium and 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 down-the-field passes, I, I would bet – I don't have the breakdown of what his, his percentages was, but it goes down significantly when it gets, obviously, to longer passes. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what Bush Hamden ends up doing with him and, and does he get him some quick completions – uh, on, on, uh, uh, you know, later today, but I, I just, I, I just, he's a special talent. Um, but I don't think he's quite up there, um, as, as far as his passing is concerned. Yeah. When we take a look at, uh, you know, the keys to this game, Chris, what I keep, what keeps on standing out to me is it looks like Boise state will try to make Washington one dimensional and that's throwing the football. I'm sure Washington would like to get their running game going, but boy, if you're going to crowd the line of scrimmage, I wish you well with the weapons that Michael Penix has. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously that, and that's, you know, I think that the coaches are fully aware of the fact that they, they expect defenses to try to take away the passing game. They're going to try to force Washington be one dimensional, but be one dimensional trying to run the ball, which is obviously a little different thing. So, Yes, will will Washington, if they can't necessarily win the line of scrimmage that way, will they try to use some of their short passing game to maybe uh, get some guys to explode and and turn some of those short gains into into, into long touchdowns? Hundred percent. I mean, this is as dynamic a group of receivers as as there's ever been at Washington, in my opinion. When you go from number one through number five, for instance, I mean, we've seen dynamic duos. Whether you go back to Ross and Pettis or Reggie Williams and E.T. or, you know, uh, Mario, Mario Bailey, and, yeah. McKay, you know, th- these types of groups for yep. sure. But, you know, when it comes to just the overall depth of this of this group from from one to five, especially pretty unmatched. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's going to be the real chess game because we know Avalos is a defensive guy. We know that they're, they were a top uh, 10 defense nationally in terms of yards and things like that. So it certainly feels like it's a good-on-good good matchup when you're looking at Washington's offense against Boise State's defense. But Boise State's defense isn't quite, in terms of personnel, they are definitely a little different than they were last year. Whereas Washington, their, their main look is going to be in the interior of the offensive line, which is something you really don't get a great feel of during camp. 
once again, you have to go see how they yep. hit someone to, to kind of figure out how they're doing. Yeah, Scott, uh, you know, just listening to some of the Boise people, they say the key to the game is for the defense to trust their eyes, which Boise State's done a pretty good job of. But trusting your eyes with Washington, with all of their pre-stat motions, how difficult is it as a linebacker? or a safety to trust well, your eyes against well, this yeah, offense. They, I mean, they talk about, you know, they talk about how, um, you know, the motion isn't always to set up. See, I always thought you, you motion the guys to get, to get mismatches or to get better releases for the wide receivers, but, or, or to get the quarterback a better look at what the defense is trying to do because of the way they adjust. But, um, you know, we, we, you know, talked to Ryan Grubb and he basically said, sometimes it's just to create confusion. And, and he said, sometimes it's, you know, when when a linebacker is making the call that because we've shifted into, you know, from trips on one side to trips on the other side. And and now he has to make the call. He says, as he's making the call, that's when we snap the ball. We've and, seen it. We've seen yeah. it where the linebacker is turning his head, yelling at making adjustments at while the ball's being snapped. While being snapped. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think it's very hard to do to to counteract what Washington wants to do when they shift and do their motions and all the different things that, that they end up doing um, offensively. But, um, you know, and, and the fact is that, um, you know, Michael Penix is calling out those protections and he's doing different things as well. So, it, you know, having someone like Michael Penix really gives Washington a, that extra coach on the field that that helps them. Um, get in the right protections and do the things that they want to do. And and if they're able to do that, I, I just think it's hard on any defense, regardless of the talent level. I think it would be hard on an Alabama or an Ohio State or some of these other really good defensive teams out that are out there. I think it would be hard on them and stress them. So um, Boise State, which was a statistically a really good defense last year, I think they're going to be they're going to be. Uh, they're, they're going to be running around a little bit, at least early on, until they get a feel for what Washington's going to do. Chris, uh, with the coin flip, do you want the ball or do you want to send your defense out? Oh, I think they take the ball. I think they take the ball. They go score. You know, it's going to be the Matt Hasselback, right? We're going to take the ball and we're going to score. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's what this that's what their mentality is. And I, I just don't think that that changes just because of whatever tactics or anything else. I think. They want to go there. They want to impose themselves. I'm sure that they've got their scripted plays, as they always do. And you guys talk about, you know, some of the things that can create confusion before the snap or even at the snap. I mean, I was watching the, the game Thursday between Utah and Florida. Florida DB, is just, he peaks just ever so slightly into the backfield, and he gets double moved. I mean, you just cannot slip with this group of receivers. Yes. And especially with a veteran like Michael Penix, who even if you play it perfectly, even if you've got all your technique on point as an as a as a defender out on the edges, he can still just lay the ball right out there where only the only the receiver's going to get it. So it, you've got so many things going against you when you're Boise State, and that's why if I'm Washington, if I'm Kalen DeBoer, I'm like we're taking the ball, we're going to score, we're going to set the tone. And then we're going to let our defense go heat up Taylor Green because I think, in talking to like Eddie Ulafosio this week, guys, yeah. he said when he at, when when he was asked about Taylor Green in like a comp, you know, we were thinking maybe like a Jaden Delora or uh, DTR from UCLA or some of those guys. He goes, yeah. you know who he mentioned? He mentioned Chase Garbers. And I was thinking, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because where did Chase Garbers make most of his hay 
in, in, in getting after Washington. It was when plays break down. And I think that's where Taylor Green can make a lot of his things happen is when it, when he's in the scramble, when there's when when they've lost contain those types of things. So I think it's going to be really, really curious to see how they're able to heat him up, but yet keep him in the pocket. And I think that's where guys like Thule and especially the way MJ Ale looks right now, and the way he's been Scott, playing this ball, it's going to be huge. And Scott, I agree taking the ball because what I see in this game is Boise State's got such a strong running game. Um, I think it would be you want to force them to throw the ball and take an early lead in this game and making Boise State play from behind, um, I think, would be the key to the game and a key to a win for Washington. I don't disagree with your argument and your reasoning, but um, I'm always a defense first out on the field because the, the fans are into it. The the crowd is into it. Um, they're going to be just, you know, raining down sound on that offense but uh i do agree that you got with you guys that kalen DeBoer will probably take the the uh, take the ball and put his offense on the field i mean oh. i mean look what they did against kansas state a really good offense uh last year um what didn't washington take the i'm pretty sure washington took the no no that's right uh kansas state got the ball first and asa turner got the pickoff on the very first play of the game and uh, but, you know, Wayne Talapapa goes in. I think he's the one that scored the first touchdown last year. And that was the uh, what about 30 yard touchdown run. But Washington getting out to that early lead really made that offense one dimensional. A couple things. It was Kent State. OK, <laughs> not Kansas State. And uh, offense out on the field. Do the same first play of the game that they did in uh, the Alamo Bowl against Texas. You remember what that was? That was a flea flicker. Flea flicker. Flea flicker deep. So <laughs> guys, I just, I think, and let's be clear. I mean, that would be, that would be the way I think that those guys would play it. If they lose the toss and they, and, and, and you know, whether Boise defer, defers, so they get the ball anyways, who knows? But even if Washington had to get the ball in the second half, they're going to have a plan. And, and yeah. it's going to be like Scott just described. They're going to, they're going to try to get the crowd into it early they're going to try to get, you know, Trice and ZTF out. They're going to try to get them on tail and green as fast as they can. They're going to try to stuff everything in the middle when when George Holani and Ashton Jonti uh, is it Jonti or Jinti? I think it's Jenti. Yeah, Jenti. Yeah, Jenti. Yeah. When they're trying to, because those guys are legitimately in terms of a duo, they're they may be as good as any running back duo Washington's going to see this year. Hey, they're hey, really quick, really good. Quick question: Did you, did it surprise you guys a little bit when we saw the um, two deeps come out and Genty wasn't on it? Oh uh, no, they. I, oh, they, he is. He wasn't he on there on when it. I. Yeah, I was yeah, say. he wasn't on there when I saw it last time. So I that was my mistake. Sorry yeah, about but, that. But the, Forget but the that. The point being is, <laughs> is it? And I agree, Scott. When you talked about Taylor Green and his strengths and how, you know, throwing the ball and maybe getting him off his spot a little bit might be the thing that Washington's going to try to focus on in terms of the passing game. If they can all of a sudden make some of those things happen, now all of a sudden you've really put put it put it on Boise State early. Try to maybe flip the field position a little bit. Then if you can go down and score, knowing that you're going to get the ball in the second half, that's that's even better. So I think no matter what happens, no matter if they get the ball you know off the bat yeah. or if they get the ball in the second half, they're going to have a plan in place. They're going to make it work to their advantage. I just think if they win the toss and they have the choice, I think they're going to take the ball every time because I think their their mindset is to attack and be proactive. Hey, Chris, you've watched uh, quite a bit of college football over the last couple of days. How much 
impact did the new rule have of that you saw and how much do you think it will impact this first game with the clock not stopping on first downs it's rolls and it only stops on first downs in the last two minutes you know what I, I it felt maybe just a little shorter and I and I and I agree with most of the coaches we talked to that you know it might it might take a series or two away from teams at the end of the day but let's let's be clear inside the the last two minutes of each half nothing changes and so when I watch, a, you know, a new head coach like Kenny Dillingham on Thursday night try to figure out the clock and try to use his clock management to eventually score, which they did. They scored with like two seconds left against Southern Utah in the end of the first half, right when that big, huge storm was hitting, that sandstorm, which was ridiculously crazy in its own right. Um, but you could just tell this. They, the, the coaches are still going to have their clock issues with clock management at the end of the halves. But nothing's changed on the clock in there. It'll stop yep. inside two minutes. But generally speaking, other than maybe, you know, losing a series, maybe two series a game because of it, because it's going to get sped up a little bit and it, it'll feel yep. like it's a little quicker. I, I did not I did not really see a lot of changes. And Scott, I, I wouldn't be surprised next year if they had another rule and put a two minute warning in. Oh yeah, I mean that wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, I wouldn't, dude. That's where we're headed. We're headed to an NFL style game. Whether it's the way the the leagues are organized or or the way the scheduling is done or anything like that, we're headed toward an NFL um, model. And I I think I think if they adopted the NFL uh, replay rule too, where the coaches have the challenges and that they don't have to challenge scoring plays or turnovers and things like that, you know, I, I. I just, I, I think that's where we're headed. So no, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they end up giving a, a two a two minute uh, warning. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. And Scott, Washington losing the, you know, 
Cam Davis was head and shoulders the best running back out there, and they've lost him for the season. We're expecting to see Dylan Johnson as a starter, split uh, reps with Will Nixon. And I think you could have that argument along with Denzel Boston that Will Nixon was probably the most improved player from spring to fall camp. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, and, and I agree with you that Cam Cam Davis was definitely the guy who was the 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 top tailback on the on the roster. But um, I don't know if he was head and shoulders above everybody else. I, I you know, especially with Dylan Johnson not being out there as much uh, during the spring and then in early in fall camp. So um, I'm really interested to see what Dylan Johnson brings to the table. He's got experience in the SEC, arguably the top uh, off, you know, uh, NF or football, um, you know, conference in the, in the country. He, he knows what to do. He's in a, he was in a passing offense. He has more receptions than Romo Dunsey and Jalen McMillan in their careers and <laughs> things like that. So, um, you know, I mean, he's a guy that I think is going to be really interesting in what he can do in this offense. But you asked about Will Nixon. Will Nixon looked great. I, I was, I was just, absolutely floored to see his explosiveness some of the things he was able to do he can catch the ball he's a very natural receiver out of the backfield so Washington's going to do a lot with him and Dylan Johnson and I think Daniel Nagata I think we're going to see quite a bit of as well you think not is going to be off the bench he'll be the third guy yeah he'll be the third guy in my opinion you know they, they might even run out Richard Newton and give him some short yardage stuff so he might actually be the third guy off the you know the first guy off the bench but uh, I think Daniel Nagata, I think they're going to have a little package for him and see what he can do in the passing game. He is so dynamic in the open field. So um, he and, and Will Nixon are kind of they, they remind me a lot of each other, the way they're they're doing things, even though Will Nixon is maybe a little bit bigger. It's got a little bit of a wild card as Tybo Rogers. He looked great in the spring. He got suspended for part of fall camp. He was one of two guys that uh, Coach DeBoer said had a good chance of um, pl- playing more than four games as yeah. a freshman. He's kind of a wild card. I-, I could see him getting 10 carries. I could see him not playing in the game. Yeah, I don't see him playing in this game. I, I think he's probably he's probably a guy that you want to use more when, when you get down to it um, in the – once you get into the Pac-12 season, maybe against um, against uh, uh, Michigan State, but um, I think he's a I think he's a guy who will uh, burn his redshirt this year. He's just so dynamic with the ball in his hands. You guys just haven't. I mean, people, I, I, you know, you, it's it's so weird. You know, people want to know what's the difference. Why 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 are you saying this about this guy and not that guy? And I can't explain it, but you just see it when you see him touch that ball. He's just such a natural runner, very explosive, can get to the edge and, and then take off. He's got that extra gear. Um, and he's a guy who hasn't played a lot of football over the last year and a half because he was hurt for mo- much of his senior season. So um, the coaches are really excited to get him in, and I think they're really excited to get him back in the fold practicing and doing the work that they they know he can do and that he's capable of and and uh, I'm real interested to see what he ends up looking like and Chris when you take a look over at the wide receivers they're five deep and that doesn't even include Giles Jackson yeah I don't no one really knows what's going to happen with Giles I mean coach DeBoer has kind of put it up in the air there was some red shirting talk but there's it sounds like he's definitely going to be trying to come back and do what he can uh, as quick as his hand heals, which I guess is the is the thing right now. But, yeah, when you took you look at Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, Denzel Boston, Jer- Jeremy Bernard, 
Uh, that's as good a five as I've ever seen from top to bottom. Again, as we talked about earlier, that uh, that Washington's ever had, and um, and that's with two guys in, in Bernard Boston that people really haven't seen yet, and they're going to see them. They're going to see them today because those guys are going to be counted on. I guarantee you, Boise State's going to do everything they can to take those two those first two guys out. Um, but as we saw against Michigan State last year, you focus on Adunze and you focus on McMillan. Guess what? Jalen Polk comes up with three touchdowns. So you just, you take your pick, man, pick your poison. It's just the way it goes. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to cover all those guys. And then on top of it, we haven't even talked about the tight ends. Haven't talked about Jack Westover. Haven't talked about Devin Culp. Haven't talked about Quentin Moore. uh, Haven't talked about Josh Cuevas, who I think those would be the four guys that you'd look at there. And then you go back to the running backs, you know, Will, Will Nixon was listed as a running back and receiver on Go Huskies for a reason. He's that versatile. That's why I was going to ask you guys, going back to the running backs real quick, if they run Wildcat, who's the guy that runs the Wildcat? Dylan Johnson. I, uh, see, I could see Dylan, but I could see Richard Newton since he's done it. Yeah, because yeah. you, you mentioned Richard you Rich, mentioned Richard Newton, Scott, and I was thinking – that would be the guy I'd go to because he's first of all he's done it before. Mm-hmm. Second of all, when you're looking at third down, short yardage, red zone, what have you, that seems to be the ideal situation for a guy like that to thrive. And we know that when Richard Newton came to Washington, the first kind of big impression he made as a running back was as a short yardage guy. He ended up with what, 11, 12 touchdowns as a Richard yep. freshman. Yeah, and everyone thought Savon Ahmed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm lobbying. I'm lobbying for a guy to run the Wildcat. I don't know. It's not going to happen this year, but maybe next year. Zach Durfee in the Wildcat. Yeah. He's a high school quarterback. Zach Durfee running the Wildcat. Absolutely. 265 pounds. Okay. You don't like that hmm. idea? <laughs> I like the idea of Zach Durfee blocking for someone in the Wildcat better. He's a former quarterback. He was. He's got some skills. But he's got uh, that opening play. Uh are you going to kind of gravitate towards looking at uh, Parker's va- Parker Brailsford starting at right guard? You got to kind of gravitate. I, I will be watching him in, in the game, um, you know, this week. It, it's very interesting. I, I do not put anything past a guy who, who has a high football IQ. The coaches continually talked about him. I don't put anything past him, but I also have seen guys come in with a lot of hype and really struggle in their first opportunity to be a starter. So, um, I don't think Parker's going to. I don't think the stage is too big for him. I think he's going to end up being really, really good. But yes, I will be watching how he handles. Um, they have they have some big interior guys. They, their uh, nose tackles go 306 and 326 um, that they've got them listed at. Then and then they've got um, a couple defensive tackles listed in the 290 range. And then their defensive end and edge are 272 and 275. So he's got he's got a lot of size coming at him. And, uh, I mean, he's about 280, 285 pounds, and uh, it's going to be real interesting to watch how he ends up handling things. Um, I don't think the stage is going to be too big for him, but until he does it, you just don't know. And, Chris, we saw this last year with Coach DeBoer and Scott Huff, and I'm expecting to see the same thing. I don't expect the starting five to play the entire game. I expect them to rotate a few guys in. Well, they'll definitely rotate. I would expect Garrett Hatchett to rotate in. I would, ex- I mean, shoot, his brother might even rotate in, land in the true freshman center. I mean, there's a possibility that could happen. Um, Julius Bulow will definitely rotate in. I, there's no doubt about that in my mind. Um, going back to Brailsford, though, a uh, couple things. First of all, 
I just think that, you know, we, we all covered Nick Harris, right guys. And and there's just too much Nick Harris and Parker, Par- Parker Burlesford personality wise, just toughness, smart, savvy. Um, it just, and again, you know, you mentioned Scott, you mentioned all the guys that, that Boise state's going to have thrown at him. Washington has as many guys that size going at him every day. When you're talking about Ulo, uh, Ale, you're talking about Latuli Gasanoa. You're talking about Tuatele. You're talking about Jacob Bandis. He mentioned, in fact, Parker Brailsford this week mentioned Tuli and Javon Parker as the guys that were t- the toughest ones to go up against. And those guys are both, well, I know Tuli's now 290, 295, but um, J- uh, Javon Parker's what, 300, 305, somewhere around there? So, you know, I just, I don't, I don't expect him to fold at all today. I expect him to shine. Like I said, I think there's just too much Nick Harris in that kid, and the and the, the stage is definitely not going to be too big for him. But yeah, to go back to what you were saying, Kim, plenty of rotation. Bulo, uh, Hatchet yeah. for sure would be those two guys I would expect, and, and you never know. I mean, Jalen Clem is a guy that came on the last couple of weeks of fall ball, and depending on the score line, they may try to figure out a way to get him in too a little bit. And we're going to see a lot of rotation over on the defensive side of the ball. I expect to see Elijah Jackson starting at one quarter, Jabbar Muhammad, but I'm expecting them to play five, six deep at the corners. We're going to see safeties rotate in. Uh, they're four to five deep, probably five deep at linebacker, and they could just rotate those guys in. And the defensive line, they're going to rotate those guys in as well. There's going to be a lot of rotation on defense. Oh, absolutely. And and especially in the secondary where they need to develop that depth. You know, that that's one thing that the coaches have harped on all camp long. And what they harped on all offseason was building up our depth in the secondary so that when we ultimately no team avoids every injury. I mean, it's very rare for a team not to suffer some some big injuries that that can cost guys some games. And Washington suffered that in spades last year with so many secondary guys having to play out of position and everything like and and still playing hurt, you know, guys that normally if they had better depth, they wouldn't be playing as much or at all. And so, um, you know, Devin, Davin Banks, you know, is he going to be able to hold up, you know, outside? He's he's looked great in fall camp. But what does he look like? But he looked great in fall camp the year before. So what does he look like, you know, now that he's got a year under his belt and, and a lot of game experience? Thaddeus Dixon, his first chance to get FC, FBS uh, college experience. And and what does he look like? And then and then you throw in a JV on green, who I thought looked pretty good and has that long uh, athletic body that Washington really likes in their in their corners. And um, is he a guy who ends up playing some nickel? Does he end up playing um, some safety at different times? Because I think eventually I think he will be a, a Husky because of the way, because of how big he is and, and everything like that. So yeah, it's going to be real fun to watch how the, how the depth is and how they rotate guys. But, you know, I, I talked to uh, Inoke Breckerfield earlier this, this week and, you know, he just talked about, he's like, you know, I've got a good rotation. I, I like where my guys are at right now. And he said he was talking about how Bandis and Tuatele and and Tuli and Ale are kind of his top four, but Javon Parker is right on that, right in there too. And his younger and his twin brother is gonna be um, is is challenging for playing time as well. So he could go six deep. And if you can go six deep along the defensive line, that is ridiculous. You just don't get that 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 much anymore along in uh, college football. And Chris, uh, 12:30 kickoff, Boise State, wrap it up for us. 
yeah, just I'm, I'm really excited to see what what version of the Huskies come out today. And, and, you know, just so much happened on offense for these guys last year. It just seems so hard to think that they could actually be better than they were last year. But they have the pieces in place to get it done. I think obviously what they do at running back today is going to be absolutely critical to the result of the game. And then, but I think more importantly for me, at least from my perspective, I just want to see how the defense has improved from year one to year two. They're 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 in that those 300 and 400 level conversations now uh, with the coaches instead of the hundred level like they were last year. Uh, you guys mentioned, I think Scott, you mentioned it from top to bottom in terms of the depth that they've got at all three levels, from the defensive line, the linebackers to the secondary. They've got the players in place to get it done. Can they put it all together? Can they heat up Taylor Green to the point where, you know, the running backs get minimized and they really have to end up starting to, you know, throw the ball a lot because they're playing from behind and things like that. When you're when you're a top 10 team, guys, and you've got to play like a top 10 team against a good, solid opponent, you just have to play it by the book. You've got to You don't have to necessarily win the turnover battle, but you can't lose it. You got to play good field position. You just have to play smart. And if you play to your potential, you should be able to beat these guys by three touchdowns. That's just the, the matter of the fact, the way the, the things have been lined up. So that's kind of what I'm looking for today. Wrap it up, Scott. Uh, I agree with a lot of what Chris said. You know, it's just it's always fun that first week or two uh, to see what the team is going to look like. And, and um, you have you have some angst over it if you're a fan. Um, what is my team going to look like? I think they're pretty good, but. Are they going to come out and land it? I mean, we all thought Washington was going to easily roll over Montana, and I'm sorry I just gave some people PTSD <laughs> with that, but yeah. uh, we thought they were just going to roll over Montana, and they didn't, and they lost. So um, every game is losable. When, when you lose to Montana, every game is losable. And so um, I don't think that's going to happen with this team. I think this coaching staff is much better than that last coaching staff that was responsible for that. Um, I think that they're going to have their guys ready to go, and I and I – think they have such a dynamic playmaker in, in uh, Michael Penix Jr. I think with his receivers, his running backs, I think Washington is going to put up a lot of points. Defensively is where I'm really interested to see what Washington looks like, because this is going to be, like Chris said, it's a really good first yeah. opponent for Washington to get tested with. And uh, I'm really interested to see what this team does. The biggest key for this game, when Boise State goes for 140 yards or more, on the ground, they are 13 and one under Andy Avalos. Washington, I'm not saying they won't rush for 140 yards on Washington, and if they do, um, that's gonna that's gonna be real tough on Washington. But can Washington overcome what Boise State's gonna throw at them on the ground? Year 26 of covering this football team. That kind of blows my mind that we've been doing it this long. But uh, looking forward to opening kickoff. And for those who are listening and are not subscribers to dogman.com, half off your annual subscription. So 50% off. No better time to subscribe than right now. Uh, Heisman campaign starts today. National championship run begins today. Follow it all here at dogman.com. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Thank you.